you know, my life for the last probably three years has just been literally me saying to this power, to this universe, you know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And, you know, I've moved from South Carolina to Washington, from Washington to New York, and then I'm moving back from New York to Washington. I mean, it's just been a roller coaster. And I think that once all that junk gets cleared out and I can be a channel of this power or whatever, the universe opens up. I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Hiya, Sam. Howdy, Don. What's going on, mister? Well, I was thinking about the early times in AA, not my first meeting, but early on, the difficulty of asking a question. It's like, should I say something? And I was at a meeting. It was a discussion meeting. It was a noon meeting. And they said, if anybody's got a topic, and you know, all the people in there were like all sitting in silence, glum. And I thought they were like all looking at me. And I was going, oh, dude, I guess I need to ask. And I got up the nerve and said, how do you deal with the shame of being an alcoholic? And the whole place burst into laughter. And I thought, this is one strange group of people laughing about shame. And then they went around the room and each person talked about how they had dealt with it. And, and one guy in particular really spoke right to me and he was saying, you know, there is no shame in being an alcoholic. Alcoholism is a disease and I can't control it. The fact that I can't control it is the disease. So that's not the problem. Now, my behavior when I'm drunk is a problem that I can deal with through the steps. But the very fact of being an alcoholic and not being able to control it, I had to embrace it. And, you know, I've held on to that from that moment. That really spoke to me. I'm so glad I had the nerve to bring it up. Do you remember coming in early into AA? Just what it was like to be able to open up in a meeting and with all these people. I just don't remember a thing about the first five years of AA, quite frankly. I'm lying. Um, <laughs> so I remember how I felt was absolutely terrified. One of the things that happened for me, once I stopped with my instant answer of no, when I was asked to go to coffee or go to dinner after a meeting or anything like that, to join a group of people, to go mm -hmm. do fellowship, my instant answer was no, 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 no. And then one day that answer changed. And I fell in with a small group of people that I hung out with regularly. And essentially they all became my temporary sponsor. So there's a, a concept in, in Greensboro, and I'm sure it's elsewhere as well, called temporary sponsorship, that the way it was explained to me is that a temporary sponsor is not necessarily someone who takes you through the steps. They're the ones that can answer all these questions of someone who's brand new. What's a good meeting to go to? What's the difference between an open and enclosed meeting? What's a discussion meeting? You know, How do I not drink tonight? Who can I call? All that information. 
that's how it worked for me. I, yeah. I've also talked with people and I've been that temporary sponsor for some people. And it really often leads to full-time sponsorship or full-on <laughs> sponsorship. Well, you know, I asked a guy to sponsor me and he said, you want temporary sobriety? Why don't I be your sponsor? <laughs> And you can change when you want to. (laughs) But I do love that. I I love the thought that was expressed to me many years into recovery. If all sponsorship is temporary, one of us is going to die. Yeah. Um, So, okay. Okay, Mr. Morbidity. (laughs) Have you met me? So there we are. All right. Well, today our guest is Amy B., who will be answering a question from Michael for our Ask the Old Timer segment. But first, let's get to know Amy a bit. I'm Amy, and I am an alcoholic. Hi, Amy. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Where are you from, Amy? I am currently living in New York, but soon to be moving to Washington State at the end of the month. So still here right now. That's it's, fantastic. So you're going to be looking for a new home group, aren't I you? I am. I am. Is this where you got sober? No, I actually got sober in Lexington, Kentucky. I thought I recognized a bit of a Southern accent. (laughs) Very comfortable. (laughs) We're going to get along just fine. We're going to be fine. What was going on with you, Amy, in Kentucky, in Lexington, when you decided to go to an AA meeting? Wow. So my sobriety date is May 31st, 1994. And I was 21. I um, was in the middle of college. To be real honest with you, I I truly believe, you know, alcohol took me to a place where all my dreams, hopes, you know, all of that stuff was gone. You know, I believe that the way you feel about yourself is what you attract to yourself. And so at that time in my life, it was pretty dark. You know, some stuff happened. You know, I said, I need to go to a meeting. I had I'd first been to meetings when I was 19 because it would look good on court documents. Uh, Okay. Oh, (laughs) So, but that didn't last. And then when all this stuff happened, when I was 21, it was like, I want to go back to those meetings. So I came straight into the meetings, shaking and sick and yeah. And you all took care of me. You know, I still, to this day, don't fill my coffee cup up all the way to the top. (laughs) And I would shake so bad. So Uh, um, yeah, you guys would go get me coffee and tell me to sit down and pay attention if I could. <laughs> you got sober in the rooms. I did. I got sober in the room. I did not go to treatment. Um, I got sober at mom's house. I don't recommend that to anybody. Okay. You went to AA meetings under not necessarily court order, but it looked good right. at 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And that gave you some experience to know that this was a place that you could go when you needed to, right. when you were when ready got, to. Yeah. When it got bad enough. And like I said, that was my mom says she remembers me looking at her and saying, I'm going to go to a meeting tomorrow. That's where my journey began, physically sick, and, and you all took care of me. So, Were yeah. you surprised when you got sober how the physical reactions that you had from quitting drinking? I mean, I was surprised that I started shaking. I didn't think I was that bad. Yeah, I, I it surprised me. And, you know, one of the memories that I have that I hope I never lose is, I would shake really bad in the mornings and my mom would fix me breakfast and feed it to me. You know, here I was a Mm. 21 year old kid and my mom feeding me breakfast because I shook so bad in the mornings for the first like 30 days. 
that she would feed me. Well, how did you manage to keep going to meetings through that? Um, for some reason, it got stuck in my head. And I'm sure somebody said it was come back tomorrow. Mm. You know, I'd be in a meeting and somebody would say, OK, what meeting are you going to tomorrow? And so in that meeting, I would pick which meeting I was going to the next day. The rooms, the people in the rooms really took care of me and said, OK, now where are you going tomorrow? You know, so they kept up with me about where I was going. And for some reason, you know, I was accountable to that. So I did that. Wow. Yeah. Was there anything that they were telling, you know, at the very beginning? Okay, I just don't want to drink. And I discovered they started talking about God. They started talking about making amends. I had no idea what that was. Yeah. It was, was Was there any of it that would just seem like completely alien to you? It all was. I mean, I, I think that. You know, the reality is, is we have our own language in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so as a newcomer, I didn't have the the playbook (laughs) on the language. I I remember sitting in meetings and people saying things. And in my head, I was like, man, that sounds great. But how do you do it? Right. How do you let go? Yeah. How do you do that? And, you know, I I really I don't think I would be here if y'all told me I had to believe a certain thing. Oh, no, me either. You all told me that I could choose whatever conception I wanted to of a higher power. And I actually had a nickname that I would say because the word God would not even come out of my mouth at that time. And so, and that's changed. You know, I say God now because when I say it, people nod their head and go, yeah, you know, I have my own conception today, but that's where it started. I mean, I just would say please and thank you. You know, it's beautiful. I just love what you just said about the word God, because that fits me so well. Don and I have talked about it on other episodes and it's just, thank you. I I love when I meet someone who is in that place of, I know what I mean when I say it. Can you describe how you developed the concept of a God, of a higher power? Is there something that happened to you? Are you the type that had a spiritual experience that was like, astounding or has it been more gradual what we call the educational variety mine has definitely been the educational variety like i said i think in the beginning it started with just please in the morning and thank you at night mm-hmm. you know you all said i could choose my own conception and so when i was i you know i got a sponsor and we were going through the steps and i was really stumped you know on step three and, and wait a minute step three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of god as we understood him. Right. When I got there, my sponsor said, you know, visualize what you would want, you know, visualize what would this power be like? And and the thing that I came up with was learning how to ride a bike. I remember my dad was behind me, (laughs) you know, it was me riding the bike, but my dad was behind me, helping me there to catch me there to coach me there to do this journey with me. And that's what I came up with was a power that, is with me through every moment of my life and there to, to help guide me, catch me, you know, say good job, you know, whatever. And that, like I said, that conception started. And now it's, I think with me, what really changed is my dad died when I was 13 and I did a graveside amends, you know, an amends to go to this person and say whatever wrongs I caused or anything like that. And with my dad, it was, I used that as an excuse to drink for a lot of years. Mm. And what happened at his graveside for me, you know, spiritual experience, whatever you want to call it. I, there's something inside me now that wasn't there before. There's this 
spark or light or whatever you want to call it, that I'm okay. And I know I'm okay. And I wish I could bottle that up and give to people, but I can't, you know, all I can say is this is what I did to get there. But there's, there's some kind of something today in my life that knows I'm going to be okay, no matter what's going on. So, yeah, yeah. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Really, for me, it's the knowledge that no matter what comes my way with the help of AI, I know I can get through it. Right. And I don't have to drink to do it. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And for me, you know, God shows up in people now, hugely. The help that I need, not always, almost always shows up through the people that I'm connected with or or that I've yet to be connected with. I wind up having connection with. Mm -hmm. Amy, what's something that happened to you as you were working the steps? It was such a coincidence that you realized, well, I must be on the right path here. When I think about... Step four, which is made this list of people that you had harmed, that step, and then talking to it about your sponsor, and then heading out to these people and making making those amends, that whole process for me, you know, really freed me up, really got me to a place where I can look other human beings in the eye. Because I was I was a foot looker. <laughs> foot looker. I was a foot looker. <laughs> um, but it, you know, it really when I sat across the table from these people and said, this is the harm that I'm aware of, you know, is there any harm I caused that I'm not aware of? And that's where things really just kind of took off for me as far as being able to live in my own skin and live in a world with you all, instead of always afraid of you all. I'm one of those people that I I go through the steps a lot. Like I know my first probably 10 years, I was going through them once a year. Mm -hmm. Now that's kind of slacked off a little bit, but I'm always in the book, because I swear the AA fairies change the words in the book. (laughs) Um, Every time I read something in our book, the Alcoholics Anonymous book, something new jumps out at me. And I've been here a while, but you know, something new jumps out and I have a new experience with it. So yeah. It sounded like you were talking about the promises coming true after completing step nine, making amends to the people I've harmed. Mm -hmm. And how long did it take you to complete the steps through step nine, making amends? Mm -hmm. I would say a good year, maybe a year and a half, because I had one of those sponsors that when I got to amends, we made a list of them and I went out and did them. And I had the schedule of making two a week. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. About a year and a half, I think the first time, just because I, it was my first time through them. So mm-hmm. yeah. how, how did you get the nerve to do it? What would you say to someone who's like going, oh, I, I can't do that? I would say try. Because I when I got here, I didn't think this was going to work. But I had gotten to that place in my life where there were no other options. And so when I run across people that say, I don't know, I'm, I'm like, what have you got to lose? I'm willing to walk this journey with you. All you got to do is try. And I haven't had one say it didn't work yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to do this, but if you want to, can you describe an amends where going into it, you felt like you did not want to do this. This is not going to go well. And the outcome of it was positive. I think the amends to my mom was the hardest or one of those ones that I, I didn't know what was going to happen because you know, after my dad died, our relationship was pretty, pretty volatile. And, and even today, it's not, I mean, I don't have the experience of I come to AA and I get 
these wonderful relationships, you know, what has happened is, is I've been able to do boundary, do all that other stuff. But I think the immense to my mom has been a process. Like I would make one and uncover some more behavior. Mm-hmm. I think the one with my mom was continues to be the one that the expectations sometimes don't turn out the way I thought they were going to turn out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But still worth doing. Still worth doing because she's my mom. I mean, I love her. She's my mom. And so I can't do anything about her behavior, but I can definitely do something about mine and and clearing that side of the street so that there's nothing there to snag myself up on. And it doesn't make me want to look at my feet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That relationship now is as good as it is. And that's fine. There was a guy in the meeting I went to in Colorado who said, I have to realize I'm running a really small ranch. It's about three feet all the way around me. And that's the only thing I've got control over. Mm -hmm. I've always loved that image. You know, I love that the Ninth Step promises are read in meetings. And one of the ones that I think could be added before I was halfway through with making the amends in that first go round, I was able to look the world in the eye. Right. And that was a huge awareness that I wasn't afraid of running into anybody. I wasn't afraid of talking to people at that point. Mm -hmm. I was able to look anyone in the eye. And that's been my experience. Yeah. It seems to me that the amends is the real gold of the steps. Mm -hmm. Because after having done that, my side of the street was cleaned off. I had done the best I could do to correct the things that I've done wrong. And it freed me to live one day at a time. And if I make a mistake, and I do, then I can correct it as soon as possible. But I don't have to carry it around with me. And many times, not always, but many times, relationships are healed. Yeah. Can you describe somewhere in your life now that really can point out how you're living the steps instead of like doing the steps back when you first got sober and there I've graduated? Check, check. (laughs) You know, my life for the last probably three years has just been literally me saying to this power, to this universe, you know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I've had friends say, I cannot believe that you've driven cross country twice by yourself. (laughs) You've made these moves and you've done all this stuff. It's like this power is active in my life because I'm doing things that I would have never thought I'd be doing. It's a direct result of getting this channel clean so that, you know, I can move cross state if I want to. I can take a new job if I want to. Like I said, it's like the universe just kind of opened up. It's been a real awakening for me in the sense that learning how to be comfortable no matter where I'm at. I learned that I use outside stuff to make me comfortable. And so once all that stuff's removed, and I think maybe that's probably why a lot of people have had trouble with COVID because a lot of that stuff, going to meetings, you know, going out to coffee, doing all that stuff stopped for a while, you know? Mm. So learning how to be uncomfortable and being okay. Those things that I use for comfort, how can I change those? It's time for Ask the Old Timer. Got a question for an old timer? Call in and record it at 212-870-3418 or email it to podcast at aagrapevine.org. You can find these and more at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. And now let's ask the old timer. Well, Amy, we have a question from Michael. Okay. 
Hi, my name is Michael and I'm an alcoholic from Greensboro, North Carolina. And I have a scenario for the old timer that I wanted to get some advice on. I've been coming to a few AA meetings so far and I kind of feel like I'm an undergrad going to a graduate class. And so because of that, I, I've been a little nervous about asking questions and providing, you know, my own situation. So would love to hear your thoughts about how I can get more comfortable with that. Okay. Michael, that's a great question. And I too, going through college, I know, you know, an undergrad going to graduate classes in Alcoholics Anonymous, we do have our own language. We have our own way of kind of like what was said earlier, talking about inventory or talking about amends can be overwhelming because we talk how we talk. And so I think the thing that helped me the most was going up to people afterwards, going out to coffee or going out to eat with people, asking those questions. You know, when you talk about inventory, what are you talking about? There's a great pamphlet on sponsorship, getting that pamphlet and asking yourself those questions about what do you want in a sponsor? And so a sponsor, even a temporary sponsor can help you make that transition between the normal everyday speak and the AA speak. Yes, it is scary. It is scary. And it Kind of like what I said earlier, you know, I can remember sitting in meetings thinking that sounds great, but how do you do it? And it, it took some courage to go up to people afterwards and ask those questions. And even in a meeting, you know, we've all sat in that chair. Everybody in that meeting has sat in that chair for the first time. So there's nothing you could ask or say that's going to shock us, you know? <laughs> so I had to remember that everyone had sat in that chair at one time. And we're all rooting for you. Yeah. In the early days, I would always go out to lunch after the noon meeting with my sponsor. And I, Swanee, I think that's where I really learned how AA works. Because also, you know, I'd say, well, what this lady was talking about, I don't know, some off the wall thing. And he would say, that's not AA. Don't listen to her. She, <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of kooky. He would say, some are sicker than others. Listen to the ones that sound healthy. <laughs> and people bring, they bring everything that they've read and everything that they know. And it's not necessarily all AA. Mm -hmm. So it was afterwards in processing it with him. And that's where I learned it all. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important, too, to go to a lot of different meetings because every meeting has its culture and its you know, small T traditions, whatever those are. And so by going to a lot of different meetings, it's almost guaranteed you'll find one. You're like, oh, this is my tribe, you know? So mm -hmm. a girlfriend of mine, we would get together and look at the schedule and just pick, you know, we're going to go this one this night and this one this night and just kind of toured all the different meetings in the area. So if you don't like one meeting, go to another one because like yeah. I said, they all have their own flavor and their own cultures. How do you deal with moving? Now you've moved so many times. And it, it almost feels like being a new newcomer again. Mm -hmm. Even now, it is still hard sometimes to go up to people after the meeting and go, hey, y'all go for coffee or, you know, um, it's still hard to do that. And so I have to make myself after a meeting when I move, I have to really kind of be like, okay, you're going to ask somebody where are they going afterwards to eat? Where are they going to coffee? Get some phone numbers. That's how I do it. And I'll be honest, when I move to Washington, I'll be looking for a new sponsor. I'll be looking for girls to sponsor. 
it is starting over again, but at least some of that fear is gone. But it's still, I'll be honest, it's still nerve wracking to go to a meeting and not know anybody and then go up to them afterwards and say, where y'all going for coffee? Or can I have your phone number? Or, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. So and that is incredibly important. I mean, the, the fellowship, the, the getting to know people after the meeting, the meeting after the meeting, whether it's standing around talking where the meeting was held, or if it's going to the diner for some pie and coffee, whatever it is, that's where I get to know people and they get to know me. It's hard to get to know people in a meeting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's before and after the meeting. And that's where those fantastic connections happen and those questions get answered and volunteer to help clean up after the meeting oh yeah yeah put up chairs yeah i'm a good chair put upper <laughs> chair person <laughs> clean ashtrays oh wait we don't do that anymore oh. all around when we did though <laughs> well amy thank you so much for joining us today it's been a real joy having you and michael thank you for that question yes thank you michael and i have had fun speaking to you all and thank you for the invite you bet Grapevine does not accept donations, but you can offer your support by making a purchase at store.aagrapevine.org or by the Carry the Message gift certificates to sponsor Grapevine subscriptions for alcoholics in need. That's store.aagrapevine.org. I'm at the very wit's end. Cuckoo. Mr. Not Enough, are you having any symptoms or problems that are worrying you? Well, it's odd. I'm just not able to do all the things around the house that I used to do. Hmm, do you drink? I usually go to happy hour. Eh, I'm usually a little drunk when I get home. Hmm, well, Mr. Not Enough, I've looked at the blood work. We've done the x-rays and completed a thorough physical examination. Now, Doc, I can take it. Tell me in plain English what's wrong with me. Well, sir, in plain English, I'd say you're just a lazy old drunk. Oh, okay. Now give me the Latin term so I can tell my wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.